0: Chapter 7. It had been only a few days since I'd seen Dr. Martinez, aka Mom, but it was great seeing her again. Ella, my half sister, was back home in Arizona, but Mom had come to DC to be with us at our big meeting. We hugged for a long time. Then she hugged the rest of the block, who ate it up. Total coughed meaningfully at her feet, and she leaned down and hugged him too. Mom and Jeb took us to his safe house, where we could rest up before the meeting. To us, the words safe house have about as much meaning as jumbo shrimp. No house would ever feel safe enough. Maybe if it were on Mars, and we could see rockets coming from thousands of miles away. After a fabulous hot shower, I got into clean clothes and untangled my hair. It was getting longer, after being cut pretty short in New York, months ago. I looked at myself in the mirror, and, bonus, didn't see an eraser looking out at me with my eyes. This had happened to me a couple times in the past, completely freaking me out. I didn't look like a little kid anymore. I looked older, like a teenager. What are you doing in there, waxing your mustache? Iggy yelled, pounding on the bathroom door. I yanked the door open and pushed him backward hard, making him stagger. I don't have a mustache, you idiot. Iggy giggled and put his arms up to protect himself in case I punched him. And you know what? I added. You don't have one either. Well, maybe in a couple years. You can always hope. I left him in the hallway, anxiously fingering his upper lip. In the living room, the rest of the flock sat around looking uncomfortable and unnaturally clean. As soon as I appeared, Total trotted over to me, his fur glossy. I got bathed, he grumbled. You look lovely, I said with a straight face. I patted his back. You're all fluffy and soft. I left him while he was deciding whether to be appalled or flattered. Fing was standing by a front window, gazing up from behind a privacy curtain. Anything going on out there? I asked. He flicked a glance at me, shook his head then took a longer look. What happened to your tan? It was dirt. He grinned, one of his rare grins that make the world spin a little faster. As if he didn't know what he was doing, he reached out and touched my hair where it lay on my shoulders. You look like a girl. His voice held amusement. There's a reason for that, I said seriously. No, I mean like a real... He seemed to catch himself, shook his head, looked back out the window. I crossed my arms. Like a real what? Watch yourself here, Fang, I thought, or I'll flatten you. While he hesitated, Nedge came up. Ooh, Max, you look great, she said, admiring my clothes. That top is totally hot. You look like you're at least sixteen. Thanks, I muttered, now feeling embarrassed. Since my usual attire is ancient and usually bloodstained t-shirts and jeans, I guess I did look a little different. Okay, Max. My eyes flickered when I heard the voice inside my head. You mean you don't have one? You can get them at Target. This meeting is very important, so no funny business. Just remember your mission, keep your mind open, and listen to what they have to say. Yeah, whatever, Jeb, I thought. Save the world, yada yada yada. You can go now. I'm not Jeb," said the voice. "You were wrong about that, huh?" I thought blankly. "You have part of the picture," Max said the voice. "Not all of the picture. Sometimes when you're most certain, that's when everything you know is wrong." Oh God, not again! I wanted to scream. My whole life was taking two steps forward and one step back. Would I ever just get ahead? You're You're making making progress, the voice assured me. You're You're a couple couple steps ahead. ahead. Then Jeb came into the room. He rubbed his hands together as if he were cold. Time to go, kids. Chapter 8 You've all seen the Capitol building in Washington, D.C., like, on postcards, right? It's the big white one, with the dough on top, that isn't the White House. Anyway, it's Gigundo. We drove up in our black limousine, feeling like celebrities. Inside, we were led through a series of hallways and stairs until we were in a large conference room with a great view of some gardens. In the conference room, about 20 people sat around a big wooden table. Some of the people were in military uniforms. Everyone sat up and turned to stare at us when we came in surrounded by secret service agents. I didn't even know I wanted to hold someone's hand until mom laced her fingers in mine and gave a squeeze. Suddenly, it all seemed better. Welcome. Thank you for coming. A tall man in an olive green uniform came forward and solemnly shook hands with Jeb, then mom, then all of us kids. Please sit down. Would you care for something to drink? We have coffee, tea, soda, ice water... Oh, and I see you brought your dog. A cute little Scotty. He smiled uncertainly, as if wondering why someone had let an animal into the building. I bit my lip, wondering if Total was going to mouth off. But he didn't. He just seethed quietly and hopped into his own chair by Angel's. The next hour was like, This is your life, mutant bird kids. They didn't have any pictures of film of us when we were little and still living in dog crates at the school. But the past six months were decently documented. They had films of us flying, way overhead, and footage of various fights with people, erasers, and the latest, heinous incarnation of enemies, the flyboys. There was some footage of us just chilling at Ann Walker's house in Northern Virginia. It made me tense up and get mad all over again. Last, there were about three minutes of choppy, grainy film that had been shot inside ITEX's picturesque German headquarters. It showed me squaring off against Omega, poster boy for pathetic losers. It showed the riot that some of the clones had started, and the crowd of angry kids breaking through the castle wall. It showed Ari dying. The film stopped, and the dimmed lights brightened. Shades lifted automatically, revealing the large windows again. Now I was in a totally rotten mood. It was bad enough that I was all dressed up like some fashion geek but I'd managed not to think about Ari for five minutes, and then I had to watch him die all over again. I snuck a glance at Jeb, who was white-faced, one hand clenched tightly around a pencil as he stared at the table. You six are most impressive. A woman in a tailored gray skirt suit stood up and poured herself a glass of water. She smiled at us, but it was the kind of smile that didn't reach her eyes. We've asked you to come here today because we're very interested in your future said an older man. We, the American government, that is, didn't know of your existence until quite recently. Now that we know, we want to protect you and also explore whether we can be useful to each other. They were certainly putting their cards on the table. Usually, there's a lot of mumbo-jumbo about how special we are, etc. But what they were always really getting at was, can we make you do what we want you to? So far, the answer had always been, Nope. The man paused, looking at us one by one, as if waiting for a response. He got none. One way we could be useful to you would be for us to create a school, a place where you can live safely. A younger blonde woman was talking to us, but clearly her words were aimed at Jeb and my mom, like they make decisions for us or something. You're very gifted at survival, but there are significant gaps in your education. We could fill in those gaps. Help you realize your full potential. Again, there was a pause while the government people waited for us to jump up and down with excitement over the idea of going to school. School was, of course, an unfortunate word choice on their part. To what end? My voice was clear. No wavering. Excuse me? The younger woman looked at me. What would you guys get out of it? I asked besides the sheer joy of helping us fulfill our potential. "'We would get to study you, frankly,' said a tall, lean man who, I kid you not, looked just like Bill Nye the Science Guy. "'You're like nothing we've ever seen before. The idea that human children could actually fly is mind-blowing. While you're at the school, we could study you, understand the physical changes that enable you to fly.' "'To what end?' I asked again. So that you can make more of us? The man looked genuinely surprised. No, he said, just to... understand. I decided I liked him. Too bad he was one of them. Okay, say you get to study us, I said agreeably. Somehow you get us to believe that it wouldn't be a complete nightmare for us to be hooked up to sensors while we run on treadmills, or to hold our own in wind tunnels while you film us flying. Then what? Silence. Chapter 9 An older man with the collar of stars of a general spoke next. What do you mean? I mean, what else? I said. You study us. You get the warm fuzzies from helping us with all that potential we have lying around. What else do you want from us? The general's blue eyes were cold and intelligent in a ruddy, grandfatherly face. What makes you think there'd be something else? He asked. Um, because I'm not a complete moron? I offered. Because no grown-up has ever been completely straight with us? Because I don't believe for one second that you're giving us the whole story? I don't believe for one second that all you want is to study us. You and I know that you've got ulterior motives up that crisply starched sleeve. The only question is... When are you going to show us what they are? The government people all seemed taken aback. It was kind of sad how, universally, grown-ups seemed surprised when kids didn't unquestioningly fall into line. I mean, what kind of kids were they used to dealing with? I waited a minute while they regrouped. My mom squeezed my hand under the table. One by one, I quickly met the flock's eyes. Fangs were alert. Eggies were leveled directly at mine. Nedgers were wide and trusting. The gas mans were full of mischief, and I had a moment's worry before I realized he probably couldn't have snuck any explosives into this building. Angel was watching me calmly, and now she gave me a little smile. Toto put his paws on the table and drank noisily from a glass of water. People looked at him, horrified, and I almost cracked up. Any other questions? I asked, deciding it was time to wrap up this sideshow. "'Why wouldn't you want our protection?' a woman asked, seeming truly baffled. "'I guess she hadn't been working there too long.' "'Because it comes with a price. With strings,' I explained. "'The price is too high, and the strings are too tight.' "'Your children?' said a man in a blue suit. "'Don't you want a home? A family?' "'With, like, vitamin-fortified cereal and educational television?' I asked, my eyes wide my voice hardened. You didn't offer us a home and a family. You offered us a school where we could be studied. Next question. It would be patriotic of you to help your country, the blonde woman said stiffly. And it would be nice if the Easter Bunny were real, I answered. But it's interesting that you've gone from wanting to study us to wanting us to help our country. Next question. The woman flushed, and I saw several colleagues look at her, as if she had messed up. Frankly, we consider you a national resource, said a woman in uniform. A national treasure, if you will. She gave an unconvincing smile. Like the Declaration of Independence. I sighed. Which is kept in a sealed display case under lock and key with armed guards. No thanks. Anyone else? The cool-eyed general spoke again. The fact remains that you are minors, and as such, must be under adult supervision and guardianship, according to state law. We're offering you such guardianship, with a great many benefits and privileges. There could be many less attractive options. He sat back, looking satisfied, as if he had just crushed an opponent in Battleship. I blinked and looked around the room in disbelief. You're kidding. I said. We've escaped from top security prisons, lived through mental and physical torture, lived on our own for years, made tons of smarty pants grown-ups look like fools without even trying, eaten desert rats with no A1 steak sauce. And you're telling me we're minors and have to have guardians? I shook my head, staring at him. Listen, pal, I grew up in a freaking dog crate. I've seen horrible part human mutations die, gut-wrenching deaths. I've had people, mutants, and robots trying to kill me, 24-7 for as long as I can remember. And you think I'm going to cave to state law? Are you bonkers? My voice had risen steadily, and it filled the room. Everyone was stock still, dead quiet. Finally, the man who had first greeted us cleared his throat uncomfortably well, perhaps we should take a break and meet again tomorrow. It was like someone looking at a horrible battlefield wound and saying, let's put a band-aid on this thing, patch it right up. Once we were all back in the limousine, my mom patted my hand and said brightly, gosh, that went well, and I snorted. Then we were all laughing, and I wished we could stay that way forever. All together and laughing. Of course, we couldn't. Chapter 10 That night, we decided to order in pizza, like normal people. Mom had a menu from a local place, and each one of us kids got to order our own, large pizza. I would never get used to having enough to eat for more than a day or two at a time. It wouldn't last, so I was going to enjoy it while I could. So, this whole government control thing isn't working for me, I said while we waited for the delivery guy to show up. My mom looked at me. I'd feel better if you were being protected, somehow, she said. See? That's what kind of a mom she is. She doesn't order me to do stuff, doesn't try to pin me down. As long as I don't leave my socks lying around, I'm golden. Their protection never lasts, said Gazzy. It turns into something else, like a trap or a nightmare or an experiment. Did I remember to order extra pineapple? The rest of the flock nodded. I don't want to go to school, said Nudge, pulling her attention away from a TV show. Unless it's like fashion school or music school, like how to be a rock star. But math class every day? And spelling? Blah. I don't think those people really know what they want, Angel said thoughtfully. Did we remember to get garlic bread? Tittle asked, and we all nodded again. But you're not picking up out-and-out evil? I asked Angel. Having a six-year-old mind reader does come in handy. No, Angel said, stroking totals back. I can feel secrets and confusion, but no mad scientist stuff. Something new and different, said Iggy. Anybody want refills on lemonade? Jeb asked, holding out the carton. I do, Gazzy handed him a cup, and Iggy said, No, mine's the blue one. Gazzy pushed him the blue cup, then looked up, as we all realized that no one had mentioned cup colors. Iggy picked up his cup and drank, not seeming to notice anything odd. Which blue cup, Ig? I asked casually. Light or dark? Light, he said. We were all silent. Then Iggy frowned. Huh. Did you guys tell me what color the cups were? Nope. I said quietly. He stared at the table, then shook his head. I'm still- I still can't see squat. No vision, nothing. He reached out his hand, moving it slowly until he felt his cup. But this cup is blue. Gazzy pushed over another cup. What's this one? Iggy felt for it, then closed his hand around it. Yellow? Yeah, said Fang. "'How about this?' He put the pizza menu into Iggy's hand. "'What color is it?' "'Green?' Iggy asked. "'It feels green. No one said anything for a while as we digested this new development. I remembered what Jeb had said, about how we might be mutating on our own, without planning. Ned seemed to be thinking the same thing. She timidly reached out her hand, and when it was a few inches away, her fork flew into her grasp.' Have you guys been playing in toxic waste again? Fang asked severely, putting his hands on his hips. Nudge giggled. (laughs) No. Been bitten by a radioactive spider? Fang went on. Struck by lightning? Drink a super soldier serum? No, 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 said Iggy. He started reaching for things around the table, and his hand landed on Total. You're black. I prefer canine American, said Total. When's that pie coming? I'm starving. What about me? Nudge asked, putting Iggy's hand on her face. He smiled. You're sort of a chocolate milk-slash-coffee-color, he said in wonder. Like mocha, said Gazzy. So, there you go. Iggy had a new, unexpected skill, like Nudge. Would we all develop them? Surely nothing more could happen to Angel she was pretty much already loaded bare in terms of special powers. The rest of us would have to wait and see. Then the doorbell rang, and we all leaped up. Dinner. Hey, and thanks for listening to another episode of Maximum Crime, a and bootleg audiobook podcast. Thing. I am your Olivet Markey. And sorry for posting a bit later than usual today. I've had a... Frankly, crazy week, and uh, finding time to record has not been easy, so Uh, yeah, sorry. (laughs) Um, Other than that, I don't have any news or anything, so we are going to roll right into the recommendation for this week. This week's recommendation is the podcast Palimpsest. Each season is about a different ghost story. The first season is about a girl who moves into a haunted house which that one is personally my favorite. Uh, The second season is about a girl who works at a circus and she takes care of a little person who is a fairy. The third season is about a woman in war-torn London who can see ghosts and she sees ghosts of like soldiers and stuff from the war. And the fourth season, which is my second personal favorite, is about a woman who does renovations on houses and she finally gets to renovate a house that she has had her eye on for a really long time due to some history with her family. I love how each season kind of dives into the universe that it's trying to build. And there's usually a few plot twists that you don't see coming, which is really cool. But yeah, they're relatively short and easy to listen to. I think the first season you can get through in about three hours. So it's good for like a car ride or something. But uh, this has been one of my favorites since college. So yeah, the stories are pretty cool, and I really like the main voice actor. These are like spooky ghost stories, so if you're not into scary stuff, I would recommend skipping over this one. Uh, There are some content warnings, they usually put them before the episode or in the show notes, so check those out if you think there might be anything that might make you uncomfortable in one of the episodes. Again, that is the podcast Palimpsest and I will leave a link in the show notes for that. If you want to leave me a rating review, that would be super cool of you to do. And if you want to get in contact with me, you can email me at maximumcrimepod at gmail.com or hit me up on my Tumblr over at maximum-crime-pod. Alrighty, I think that's all I got to say for this time. So until next time, fly on.